This week's podcast brought to you by Dogs in Purses. We were uh, taking a shuttle bus to the airport uh, last week to go on vacation. The driver asked, what airline are you on? We said Delta. And our son said, I thought we were on American. And I said, no. And he said, well, good. Then we won't get dragged off the airplane. And our eight-year-old said, what's he talking about? And I said, oh, last year or the year before, somebody was dragged off an airplane on American Airlines. And she looked horrified. And with a genuine uh, expression of terror on her face, she said, did he have a parachute? Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, I hope we're not interrupted here. Another summer uh, podcast from home. I informed our eight-year-old just before we came into the basement that we'll be doing a podcast. And she said, what's your podcast about? It's just about life and stuff. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what it's about. And she said, why is it called ball and chain then if it's not about balls or chains? So I explained to her the metaphor of marriage, the husband or wife being a like a heavy weight attached at the ankle to the to the other spouse. And she immediately, instinctively, and instantly uh, understood what I was talking about. And I think she was thinking of me as the as the bowling ball attached to your ankle. Although when you think about it, almost in almost every case that somebody has mentioned a ball and chain in the in the you know in the context of a marriage, it's always the man saying that the woman is the ball and chain. You almost never hear it, the woman saying the man is the ball and chain. But, and, yet, uh, and yet in this marriage, it's, it's, it's clear. It's even to our eight-year-old. Well, we're just back from our annual uh, trip to Minnesota over the 4th of July. And uh, we landed at MSP, what, about a week ago? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was greeted, I noticed, I don't think you heard it, an announcement that said, uh, well, the passenger who left their walker at gate C7, please come back to reclaim it. And this is the second time I've been ear witness to an airport miracle. In Tampa, a couple of years ago, they made an announcement, well, the passenger who left his or her crutches at security, please come back to reclaim them. And I, I think there's there's something about the, there's some kind of a healing power about about the airport for people who can suddenly walk. There's probably a healing power at the airport. And I wonder how many times a day that announcement is made at uh, amusement parks like Disney. You know, if you've left your rascal scooter over by the teacups, uh, please come back to reclaim I'm it. glad they, you said scooter because if they just made the announcement, if you've left your rascal by the teacups. <laughs> he is attached to the ball and chain and uh, does not want to be returned. But what a, what a, what a vacation. Six of us packed into a uh, an aged minivan with Oklahoma license plates that we had picked up at a at a, an otherwise really, reputable car rental agency. I, I missed our, our Honda Odyssey as we were driving down the street in a, in a different kind of, of minivan that wasn't quite as comfortable as we've become accustomed. We don't get paid by Honda Odyssey people. People must assume that we do, but um, nor... No, we just love our Honda Odyssey. Well, you certainly do. Um, I do. And I think you'll be driving one as an empty nester. But again, it was a great vacation. 
Were there any highlights, Rebecca, for you on our trip to Minnesota? Um, well, one of my highlights, I mean, it's always a highlight just being around your family, just being able to relax, watching our kids fish, watching them tube. But I, I had a, a chunk of time finally where I could um, read a book that I've been looking forward to reading up in the old hotel. And um, You were looking forward to reading a book called Up in the Old Hotel. Yes. You weren't looking forward to reading a book Up in While the Old up Hotel. Up in the Old Hotel, exactly. And um, I'm absolutely loving it. So uh, fortunately, it's a 700-page book, and so I'm only one-seventh of the way through it. But um, it was nice just to be able to relax a little bit. And speaking of books, one of my other favorite memories of vacation was when we made our little trip into town and you made a lovely discovery at the uh, public bathroom. <laughs> I did make a lovely lovely discovery at a public restroom as I frequently do. And but this time it was it was outside the little public restroom in the center of this quaint little town in Minnesota. It was one of those little free libraries. Tiny almost little birdhouse like structure with a glass front and you put a dozen books or so in there. You can leave one, you can take one. And I noticed, and I never pass one without investigating the, the contents of it. And, and I, as I noticed as I was approaching that one of my books, Stingray Afternoons, was in the little free library. And so I was instantly surprised and delighted. It was next to Sidney Sheldon's Memories of Midnight. And, um, and then I was a little anxious to open it, um, worried that it would have been signed to like my, my brother or my dad. But it wasn't. It wasn't signed to anybody. And then two days later, I was downright annoyed when I saw that it was still there, but the J.R.R. Tolkien had been taken away. On one of my runs into town, I considered maybe taking the book out of there and not telling you and just letting you think that somebody else had um, taken it to read. But I left it in there. I'm confident it's probably it's been a week or so now, at least since we've seen it. Who know how, who knows how long it's been in there? But I'm confident that it's it's now been taken and read. Well, by, by somebody. We did run a 5K while we were there. And at the end of the 5K, a guy approached me in the little area where you recover. And um, not that it required a whole lot of recovery, but it was, it was uh, some people were getting Pabst Blue Ribbons that you, you, you're rewarded with at the end of that race. And uh, a guy approached me and said uh, he was had a baby. He was holding a baby. And he said, my baby slept next to Stingray Afternoons last night. The book was on the nightstand. So... Uh, he's this is the same guy, by the way, who said, uh, I enjoy your work, but I enjoy your podcast, but your wife is the funny one. Yes, which I heard and I immediately liked him a lot. Um, it, was it, it started so well, the guy's comment. <laughs> it was interesting. We were out to dinner one night and a little girl came over to talk to me and I think she was about 10 years old. And um, she was a WNBA fan and we're in Minnesota and I asked her what her favorite WNBA teams and she said the Lynx and the Dallas Wings. And I'm thinking, oh, that's an interesting um, two teams. And then as soon as she told me that she was on vacation and lived in Iowa, I knew immediately why she was a fan of those two teams. One, the Minnesota Lynx are the closest team to her. It's where she vacations in Minnesota. But of course, the Dallas Wings, because she's a Megan Gustafson fan. Gustafson now plays for the Dallas Wings, played for Iowa the past four years. But I just thought it was great that this little kid now has you know, these two favorite WNBA teams, and one of them just because her favorite college player is there. That little girl was with her two little brothers, and after chatting you up for five minutes and getting your autograph and their old-fashioned autographed books, which I loved, they were really notebooks that they'd been doodling in. One of the little brothers, maybe eight, would you guess? Yes. Turned and said, super polite, sweet kids said, 
my parents like your writing, turned to me and said that. Mm-hmm. And they sort of reluctantly sized me up and, at, and decided that they should also get my autograph and their autograph books. And where the restaurant was, it was across from that free library. Did you consider telling him, well, no, if you go I over there not. and grab my book, I'll be happy to sign that I for didn't, you? Um, but, uh, but Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry, sitting, sitting at the other end of this table for 12, did say, do your parents know that I'm the lead singer of Tom, Dick, and Harry? <laughs> they looked somewhat perplexed. Well, but Tom said he was, though, recognized on his way home from uh, northern Minnesota, stopped at a Starbucks with his family, and uh, and somebody asked him, are you the lead singer of Tom, Dick, and Harry? Because this guy knew the drummer. Right. But still, he got recognized. At the Starbucks in Baxter, Minnesota. I um, One thing that happened that was, it wasn't embarrassing, but it was... Uh, it hadn't happened to me before is is we have a refrigerator and freezer that makes ice in our house as most people do so i don't often buy go out and like buy ice at the grocery store or the gas station but with all the people staying at your sister's cabin of course there people needed to buy ice to put it in the coolers with the beverages whatever so i went to the gas station and being a novice at ice buying i grabbed three giant bags of ice out of the freezer outside, brought them inside, and put them on the counter to pay for them. You don't bring the ice inside. Well, right. And the woman looked at me like I was crazy, like, what are you doing? Especially when I said, can I leave these here for a second? Because I had to go get like a bottle of soda or something. So now the counter's wet. And um, and when I came back, there was a woman now ahead of me, and she just told, and she was empty-handed and just said, you know, I'd like two 20-pound bags of ice. And then that's when it hit me. Uh, I didn't have to bring the ice inside. I just had to tell them that I was buying it and they could charge me for it. So anyway, in the future, I will know when buying ice at a gas station that uh, you don't need to bring it inside and put it on the counter. Have you ever attempted to buy a Blue Rhino uh, replacement propane tank no, for our grill? No, that's always been your job. You, 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 I hope you don't get it outside, bring it inside and attempt to pay for it. I probably would. Well, not now. Not now that I know the kind of etiquette for ice and other large items at the gas station. <laughs> I would know to just to tell them. But um, a week ago, I would have brought the blue rhino inside. And speaking of uh, large items, when we were going through TSA on the way home yesterday, our eight-year-old noticed the sign on the luggage belt that said, no oversized items. And she said, well... I guess you won't be flying home today, Mom. Yeah, that was that was lovely, but uh, but very very funny. Speaking of Blue Rhino, that reminds me that uh, one of the runners in the five k that we ran in uh, over the fourth was wearing a lot of people in Fourth of July red, white, and blue regalia. This guy's two of our kids pointed out that uh, the guy in the red, white, and blues tank top. Red, white, and brew, B-R-E-W. And um, one of them said, that guy must really like beer. Yeah, that was our eight-year-old who said that. That was as we were walking to the starting line to uh, to start the race. I, I ran slash jogged slash walked with our eight-year-old. And along the you know three-mile course, there's cones. And so one of the things uh, we did to get her to not just walk was, you know, run between you know the next two cones and then we'll walk two cones and then we'll run two cones and walk two cones and end up you'd run you know 100 yards walk 100 yards that kind of thing this is after she probably jogged the first close to a mile uh, without stopping anyway 
as we're doing the cones at one point she looks to me and she said um it seems like it takes a lot longer to run the cones than to walk the cones <laughs> and um and i said well that's just how it feels on your body you want to keep be walking instead of running so um that was one of her brilliant observations because of course it took a lot less time to run between the cones than it did to walk the cones but but not in her for her perspective then when we got back we uh we went last night we went on a hike up up uh, a local mountain as part of a high school team building activity but all the families were welcome and our eight-year-old uh we packed a meal or lunches for the top of the mountain and uh, everybody put on their most comfortable shoes, and she uh, also brought her purse with her <laughs> in case there was any good shopping on the mountain. And when I noticed halfway up the mountain that she had her purse, I said, you know, there's no shopping on this mountain, although there is a little museum at the top of the mountain that has a gift shop. And I, uh, But I said, the gift shop's not going to be open, and you're also, it's also okay to go to a gift shop every once in a while and not buy something. And she said, once, when I was in second grade, I went to TJ Maxx and didn't get anything. <laughs> the beauty was this purse is like this round um, ladybug purse with this one long strap, and she's carrying it up the mountain. And, and, and as we're going up, um, we'd brought some beverages, but not enough. The kids didn't bring water bottles, and she just talked about how thirsty she was. And I said, well, next time we do this, instead of having you bring your purse, you can bring a water bottle. <laughs> But the notion of this little eight-year-old kid, and she's, you know, kind of dressed like a tomboy. It's not like she was dressed in a way that the purse was accessorizing anything. Well, she she's climbing up the rocks. She's got this purse trailing behind her. The, it was a pretty great sight. Her purse was round on a strap over her shoulder. So in my mind, I thought she has like an old-school, old-fashioned canteen. It did look like that, like yeah. The kind I had as a kid where you screw off the top and it's attached to a chain and has yeah. like a little carpeted side or something in it. Whatever happened to those things, man? Do they still sell those? I, I don't know, but I know um, one of our daughter's classmates, I remember this last year, she was telling me that, you know, on field day when all the other ki- when all the kids bring their water bottle, one of her friends, because her father served in the Army, always brings a canteen. She brings a canteen to drink her water out of while the other kids have their water bottles. Well, I like that because everybody's got one of these nine water bottles. You don't go anywhere now where you don't get a logoed water bottle as right. a as a giveaway. Right. But uh, it was actually cool to drink out of a metal fabric-covered canteen and right. screw that top back on with a little little cheap chain. Yep. Well, it's uh, it's funny because... You know, our daughter did not have her purse when we were up at the cabin and she would go out on the dock and uh, watch her brother as he was fishing. She one day it was hysterical because where where our son and, and his cousins fish, I mean, you put some bait on the hook, you throw the you throw the hook in and you catch something within two minutes. Well, she was just sitting there on the edge of the dock holding the fishing net and um, getting really discouraged. And finally, she just looked at me and said, I can't find any fish. And I said, well, that's not quite how fishing works. You don't just find fish. So eventually she she took some of the bait her brother was using, just these little kernels of corn, would throw a piece of corn in the water, then the fish would come over, and she could then catch, as she said, a fish or find a fish in the net. But um, it was just this sort of Norman uh, Rockwell-looking sight of a little kid, you know, shoulders slumped, sitting on the dock waiting for the fish to and come. S- speaking of uh, purses and speaking of Minnesota, 
there was the little town near where we were staying that you'd walk into had shops. And for some reason, it, we, we were never there when the shops were open or right. she never got to go shopping, but she saw something in a window and she kept talking about, she wanted to get, not that doggy in the window, but she wanted to get a dog in a purse. Right. That was in one of those stores. I assumed a stuffed little tiny dog in a purse. Yeah. And we were never able to do that. And then when we were checking in at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport yesterday, when we were, when we were uh, checking our luggage, there was a lady, a young lady next to us with a bag on the ground and out from this little shopping bag popped a little head and it was this chihuahua or Pekingese or whatever those tiny dogs are looking around and she was fascinated. Well, I think one of the reasons, too, that our, our, she was so eager to purchase something and then when she didn't purchase something to even bring the purse on the hike is that it was her own money that she had earned. It was um, she had, you know, it wasn't even money that she'd been given as a present for Christmas or something like that. It was chore money that she'd accumulated. And so she just was so proud that she had her own money that when we were in Minnesota, she was going to buy something. Well, none of the stores were open. And so we get home and she still hadn't used her own money on anything and then brings it on the hike. And I can remember as a kid, and I don't know that I've ever told this story, but bringing money, my money that I'd earned when our family drove to Florida to camp and go to Disney World and my $8 that I had earned and was saving up to spend on something and instead spent it over the course of a few afternoons on Miss Pac-Man at the, uh, at the arcade at our campsite. But still, there was just something. There was just something different about money when you've actually earned it by doing chores or a job or something else. Especially when you're paid entirely in quarters and you stack those quarters on top of Ms. Pac-Man. <laughs> I know. And lock it down for, oh, for the so entire pathetic. afternoon. so pathetic. Yeah, the addictive personality. I was so desperate to to get the number one score, and instead I um, I just lost all my money. And what, what was your name if you had gotten on the scoreboard on Ms. Pac-Man? Your, your initials, your... I don't know. I wasn't clever enough yet at that at that age. Um, there were so many obscene three-letter words you could... You right. could enter under the guise of your initials. I'm sure it was. I, I either probably just went with my initials, or maybe I went with Beck. Just something simple like that. Well, I tried to explain to our daughter that she has a dog and she has a purse. And while that dog is 55 pounds, can't be squeezed into that purse, you know, she has the, the uh, component parts of, of the dog in the purse. Why would anyone want a dog in a purse? I don't know, but both, both flights we were on. There were dogs on the plane. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, no, the, on, on the return flight, the dog was on the floor right across the aisle from us. But not in a purse. It was not in a purse. So we, we had a dog on a plane and a dog in a shopping bag, but still eluding the dog in the purse. On our last day of our trip, we raced from this cabin in northern Minnesota directly uh, to Target Field for a Minnesota Twins-Texas Rangers game. Uh, there were 25 of us there. We were celebrating my dad's 85th birthday a month late, but our, we were making our drive during the Women's World Cup final, and we were desperately trying to tune it in on the radio. Couldn't find it on any uh, AM or up, FM stations. Yeah, just having to, to get score updates off of the Internet. Uh, but we, we did get there. They did have this, the, the end of the game and the celebration on the uh, big scoreboard at Target Field before the Twins game. So we did get to see that. And uh, my brother was telling a story at this game, my brother Tom, about being in Panama 
this spring, and I missed half the story, but it involved a rare and super venomous snake that they stumbled upon with a guide in some cave or something. And, uh, and they were told that if this snake had bitten them, they would have two hours to get the anti-venom, right? Yeah. And it reminded me of two stories. One, when I was in Antarctica on a small ship and they gave the safety talk, one of the guides there afterwards told us that if any of us fell overboard in, in Antarctica off of this boat, we should swim immediately to the bottom. And somebody said, well, what does that do? And the guy said, oh, you'll die much faster that way. <laughs> that made me think of the actor Hugh Laurie talking about working with a lion once in a scene. And the lion trainer said that, uh, you know, this lion's very well trained. He's not going to attack you, but these are unpredictable animals, of course. And if he does attack you for some reason, throw feces in its eyes. That's the best way to repel a lion. And, and Hugh Laurie said, what if there are no feces? And the trainer said, oh, there will be. <laughs> anyway, the Twins game was an 11-inning affair on uh, – on the getaway day when all major league players leave for either their four-day break, the only four-day break they get during the summer, the all-star break, or in the case of the all-stars, to fly to Cleveland. So everybody had airplanes idling. Well, I loved, uh, I said to you before the game, I said, what if this thing, you know, is really long or goes into extra innings? And you said, oh, there's no chance of that because after this game is the all-star break. So the players will make sure that this game ends in nine innings because everyone wants to get well, out of here. As with, as with and most, then it went into extra innings. As with most of my pompous pronouncements, it was... It was it way was off. Not only way off, it was a completely ridiculous. The game went in 11 innings, and um, the home plate umpire left in the sixth or seventh or fifth, I can't remember now, uh, with some kind of heat-related illness. And we waited a long time for one of the base umpires then to go change into the pads. And so the game was held up for 10 or 15 minutes while that happened. And uh, it lasted, what, four, four, four and a half hours, something like that, the game? Yeah, so, it was close to five hours. And yet they still had to come throw us out of the ballpark half an hour after it ended because there were 25 of us celebrating uh, my dad's 85th. He was wearing a T-shirt that we had gotten him for Father's Day that said, the man, the myth, the legend. Well, because our kids call him Papa. So it said, Papa, the man, the myth, the legend. I didn't know when you sent it to him if he would actually ever wear it. So I was delighted to see that not only did he wear it, but he wore it to his uh, 85th birthday celebration. I prefer that uh, his, his shirt, Papa, the man, the myth, the legend, to the one I saw a man of similar age wearing at the at the dump. We would take the trash and recycling every day from my sister's cabin into town to the uh, to the recycling center. And there was a guy there, a gentleman, an older gentleman there, uh, tossing his recycling while wearing a shirt that said, in in that kind of gothic font, "Ye old fart," old with an e, of course. Do you think that's like a? I don't know. A product or a place, or is it just something that somebody gave No, him? no, it's definitely a T-shirt that he was given, but I can't imagine, you know, there's like bottles of wine that say that, and I just, no matter how old I am, and I hope to get even older than I am now, wearing a T-shirt that says, ye old fart, I just I just don't see that in my... What, what happened on vacation, and um, somebody said something to you like, uh, oh, you just... You just showed your age. You just showed your age, right? I, we were talking about music. 
and uh, something to do with music. And, and one of my yeah. college age nephews said, "Oh, you're you're showing your age," and and I replied, "Well." I hope I'm showing my age. I mean, what what am I supposed to be concealing my age? Right. I'm 52. What should I pretend that I wasn't said, alive in the 1980s? I mean, it's it's a, such said, a bizarre. When I, when I walk flex. in the room, I show my age. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Showing your age? No, I know. But isn't I, it a bizarre uh, uh, flex, as as Denny might say, to um, say you were randomly born in the cosmic lottery in September of 1966, whereas I was born in June of 1999. Right. And, 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 and as if that should be seen as anything other than you're showing that you have more knowledge. 25 years more experience in life than I do, that you have 25 more years of reading books and learning things than I do, but instead it's... You it's, know, it's, it's you're going to die before I do. Right, right, exactly. It's... um. It's an interesting phrase. Okay, well, we've got places to go and people to be or something like that. I don't we remember what that's no, saying. Um, Denny's Curiosity Shop. Uh, I don't know if he's even back from Denny his, may be in France still. He may have yeah, a crippling his, hangover after the U.S. Uh, women's national the World team. Cup World Cup extravaganza. But uh, so no no Curiosity Shop from Denny. He's, he's satisfied his curiosities while being in France. So why don't we go straight to viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes in from John. John writes, uh, it's, it's headlined creating space. I think we were talking about, we were talking about face checking. I know, uh, the, the basketball defenders yeah. move of, of not raising an arm to block a shot, but just sort of mean mugging. No, you we were into... talking about when, when defenders get up in your space and it drives me oh, nuts right. when, yes. when offensive players get called for a foul, when they're just trying to move in their own cylinder, Absolutely. but somebody's face is mushed up in there. So you as an offensive player have a right to, to your own personal space, even do. on the basketball yes. court. Well, John... Agrees. John writes, Rebecca, even back in the late 1980s on the D3 level, defenders tried to get up close on a player possessing the ball, especially if the offensive player was more of a threat to drive because they had a poor, non-marriage-worthy jump shot. There is a photograph attached to this email. Luckily, middle school CYO, CYO hoops taught the proper application of left elbow to right cheekbone in order to create space as well as second thoughts later in the game. And here's a photograph of what I presume is John delivering said elbow to said cheekbone in a game and his the defensive player who's who is so violating a space that his feet are entangled with John's feet in the photograph is uh, he's uh, he's sprawling to the ground in a very theatrical soccer like flop although it's not a flop he has just been I elbowed love in the that face John learned the elbow to the face in middle school CYO basketball. But yeah, you get called for an offensive foul, but pretty much for the rest of the game, the guy is no longer going to put his face in your space. Yes, writes John, an offensive foul was called here, but so was their athletic trainer. (laughs) Well played, John. Great podcast. Sorry about the 1980s era shorts. uh, I think we're both sorry about that. John, I played in the same shorts. Uh, Steve. Same style shorts. Same st- no, in the exact same shorts. Yeah. While while John was wearing them. That's how little personal space I gave to anybody I was defending. <laughs> Steve writes, Scott, during the last few weeks there have been a number of rousing endorsements for Road Swing. 
a book I wrote. I had previously read Stingray Afternoons, and it was as entertaining as advertised, so I proceeded to purchase Road Swing and was pleasantly surprised to discover the copy I received was autographed by, I assume, you. And he encloses a photograph, and it, that I can, I can attest that that is my signature. The issue which is presented is that my name is Scott, and the book was addressed to Tim. My wife suggested I simply white out the existing name and insert my own. I'm wondering if this simply defeats the integrity of the whole autograph process. I would say it absolutely does, Scott and Dorian. Uh, anyway, love the podcast. We've recently been listening to it during the, our frequent weekend road swings to our lake house, assigned Scott and Dorian. My wife also would like some swag. And, uh, you know, I haven't sent swag out in a while. Yeah, you need to do that. So anybody who's asked for it well, in the last... I don't know. Tell couple Scott of months. as he's driving to his lake house, no matter what town he's in, he sh- if he s- sees one of the free libraries, stop. And who knows? Maybe there's an unsigned copy of well, one of your books inside. Well, Scott sent a second email after that. As a postscript to our recent email, even though my wife previously asked for swag, she said she does not understand its meaning. In her corporate world, swag is systematic wild ass guess. Have you heard that in your in systematic your... wild ass guess? Yes. No, and in, in my job, if someone has swag, it means they have a tremendous amount of confidence on the basketball court. So I don't know. Um, I don't know that definition. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. Thank you, Steve, for teaching your son how to keep score for baseball. As a former softball coach and player in our generation, I feel like scorekeeping is a lost art. Well, it definitely is. Uh, I kept stats on my players by hand for many years. They all got a handwritten note at the end of the season with all of their stats. It was a labor of love. Now it's all in a program. I applaud both of you for keeping life simple and and eliminating the electronics as much as possible. I'm anxiously awaiting my August 20th delivery of Knights in White Castle. Your avid fan, Deb. Deb, it's absolutely a lost art. And when we went to the Twins game the other day, my son kept score for the first three or four innings. But he, with his cousins there and and uh, all kinds of food and excitement, lots he, of social stuff. He couldn't uh, yeah. he couldn't sustain it through eleven innings. But um, but who can? Rebecca, you'll enjoy. Oh, there's another. I think there's a, we have another ode to uh, to the joy of keeping score here. It's from Jeff. He writes, uh, "Keeping score is something I've enjoyed for years." Um, neither my son nor I knew a soul on the team when my son first played AAU baseball, but I brought a scorebook to every game. Not only did I learn all the players, but I was an instant hit with the other parents. Questions like, what did this kid do the last time? What's the score? And of course, you gave him a hit on that one, didn't you? All led to conversation and friendship. I hope your son keeps it up. If he's interested in some history, you might think about getting him the joy of keeping score. And he links to uh, a book by Paul Dixon, who I know a little bit. Uh, who wrote a book about the joy of keeping score. But that, I think, is the best part of keeping score is you learn the players' names. Uh, Jeff adds that I was a bit hesitant to recommend a book after last week's book discussion, but I figured recommending your for your son might be safe. I, I, people have written in that. I don't want book recommendations. I, 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 I'm happy to get book recommendations. Uh, I just don't want to feel obliged to then read an entire book because you've, you've recommended it to me. That's That's my only thing. When people say, you know, did you read that book I recommended? The answer is likely to be no. Gail sends me uh, a viewer mail, but this is via Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. She said, our zoo is giving our airport a run for its money. 9.05 a.m. and I just saw, just saw a couple slam beers. So we've talked plenty about morning drinking on airplanes. Apparently, I didn't even know they s- sold beer at zoos, but she just saw a couple slam beers at 9.05 a.m. at the zoo. 
Uh, sadly, by 11 a.m., that those that couple is heckling the the lions and the monkeys. Isn't that, isn't that a weird place to sell beer? The at zoo. A zoo. No, yeah, no. And, like, how often do adults go to a zoo without kids? Like, a zoo. The zoo is a place you bring children, and to drink at a zoo is odd as, to me. As opposed to a baseball game. Yeah, but sports. Any place just, that parents bring kids. Yeah, but but a lot of people go to baseball games or sporting events without bringing children. Do a lot of people go to a zoo without children? Like, it's just that. You're asking that's a guy. An who, odd place to to be selling beer. You're asking a, a guy who went to Disneyland without children. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I went for. Do they sell beer at Disneyland? They sell it at Epcot. I don't know that. I don't think they sell it at Disneyland, do they? I don't know. That's the place that they most need to sell it. Obviously, there was a big fight at Disneyland. Recently? Uh, this week. I didn't Quite see that. Caught on video, yeah. So, um, I didn't. Over what? Were, um, I don't know. Were, were any people in rascal scooters involved in the fight? Somebody may have left their rascal at the teacup. <laughs> uh, Lisa writes, Hi, while watching the ceremony after the awesome USA win over the Netherlands, we noticed that Rose, Rose Lavelle, tucks her shorts in like some of the female basketball players. A generational thing? I've only seen the college basketball players doing this, and now Rose, who is 24. I admit that I'm a bandwagon soccer fan and was swept up in the excitement of the Women's World Cup, especially because of the players' outspokenness on a variety of topics and also the bird rapino connection. So perhaps other soccer players also tuck their shorts too? LOL, Rose was amazing today, and I bet other girls will be copying her style. Go USA. Love your podcast. Lisa? I didn't know soccer shorts were long enough to tuck. Aren't soccer shorts traditionally very short? Rose Lavelle scored the, the, the second, second goal, goal yeah. in the in the final, and um, and she does. She she encloses at least enclosed the picture of Rose with her shorts tucked exactly as um, you talk about with some basketball players. So I think you can probably get your shorts longer or shorter as you please by the time you're on the national team. Certainly, I think they can do so now, having uh, having captivated. They should be the able nation. to do whatever they want now. Uh, hey guys, writes Lauren, our resident educator. Uh, resident educator here with an update about our podcast. Our group won the Aspen Challenge, and we just recently returned from presenting at the Aspen Ideas Festival in Aspen, Colorado. Best week ever. Our podcast has about 1,200 listens and is on all major platforms. The Umbrella of No Judgment will start its second season in the fall. So... With that in mind, uh, she says, I cracked up at the I'm bored comments that your kids are making this summer. I've resolved myself to allowing the kids to be bored. I'm going full 1990s parent on them. I snapped after my five-year-old daughter said while trying to watch a movie, it's buffering. I'm bored. (laughs) Almost went to jail that night, writes Lauren. I don't know if she's referring to her or her daughter. Keep rocking the podcast. I'm keeping up despite not having a commute. Rebecca, are you calling any games at Indy this summer? And also, I will be honored to replace Carol Lawson. <laughs> no, I'm not calling any games at Indy. But you know what? She just, uh, Lauren just made me think. Sometimes our kids will talk to me and I'll say to them, I'll say, I know you were just speaking to me, but I wasn't really paying attention. So please say that again. From now on, I'm just going to look at them and say, I'm sorry. I was just buffering. <laughs> Can you repeat that? I think I'm going to use that as a phrase when I just completely zone out. Stop listening to the kids. Maybe I'll use it with you. I'm sorry, Steve. I know you were talking, but I was buffering. What? Um, can you please repeat that? I don't even add the can you please repeat that. Just say, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. No, I was buffering. I'm sorry. I was buffering. I'm sorry. I was I buffering. Know. And I'm going to continue to buffer. I'm going to continue buffering. Buffer. I have no interest buffering. in whatever you have to say. Buffering makes me think of, remember Bufferin? Do they still have that? It was an aspirin? Bufferin? Buffering. It was a pain reliever? Bufferin? It was always on TV. Are you sure that was the name of it? Because that sounds like it's sort of right, but not quite. 
Bufferin? Yes. B-U-F-F-E-R-I-N. It sounds like it's slang for something pornographic, I think. But it, it's it's uh, and then Michael Buffer, the Let's Get Ready to Rumble guy. Anyway, you, we just mentioned uh, the uh, the Women's World Cup. Hi, Restiva writes Ralph. It should be Bird Rapino 2020, not. Rapino Bird, was that the campaign people were going for? Sue Bird is the point yeah, guard after all. They're selling t-shirts now. Um, it's Rapino Bird right. 2020. I guess you're not posting the podcast at Twitter anymore, writes Ralph. That is a pity. He always wants us to post oh, the Twitter. Yes, so could you please totally po- post fault. it? That's- so Ralph... Ralph can't yes. hear this because if we're not posting it to Twitter, he can't Yes, he can't I will be, be better about posting it to Twitter, but also Denny um, is terrific about posting it to Twitter, so also follow Denny Gallagher on Twitter. But yeah, I, I will be better. So there's no curiosity shop this week, but Sean uh, in Maryland uh, tells us that um, living in Maryland, when my son began to like sports, we sat down and purposely selected five teams at the bottom of the basketball and hockey standings from which he selected his teams to, quote, pay his dues with. As a result, I have a 32-year-old living in Maryland who roots for the Dallas Mavericks and Ottawa Senators. I'm not sure kids today will have a meaningful moment in which they'll celebrate a title from years of rooting for a bad team. He brings this up because we mentioned our son has a closet full of defunct basketball jerseys from players who were traded. And um, and he, Sean writes that accurately, that kids mostly root for players these days and not for teams, particularly in the NBA. So here is his question. The NBA marketing machine was non-existent for Steve in my youth and only beginning in Rebecca's. Had jerseys been available in those times, what player would each of you have selected? I certainly didn't have any jerseys as a, as a kid except for a Rod Carew a jersey that was a giveaway at a Twins game in 1977. Yeah, no jerseys for me. Sean either. writes, mine would have been Pete Maravich in the 70s, Dan Issel for an ABA, ABA jersey, and World B Free in a Cavaliers early 80s for the absolute... Uh, nobody, nobody asked. Um, anyway, uh, I had World Be Free. I had written World Be Free on my rubber basketball. That's how much I loved World Be Free, the former Lloyd Free. Um, but uh, mine certainly at one point it would have been Julius Irving, and any time after that it would have been Larry Bird. Yeah, Larry Bird would have been the only jersey that I would have um, wanted in the seventies or the eighties. You wouldn't or have wanted Larry in the seventies. Would have had to be Indiana State. Late seventies. Late seventy nine, I guess. It, yeah, it could be. Anyway. Uh, the dog is barking. I've got to go pick up our son from camp. I just got a message from our, our eight-year-old. What time are you going to be finishing your podcast? What is it about? What does ball and chain mean? All so, those things come full circle. So Tom Dick Hari. Tom, well, Tom, who was recognized in the parking lot of the Starbucks in Baxter, Minnesota, as the lead singer of Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yes. Harry and Dick. Please play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right.